Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. Proud affiliate of Redmond Real Salt, the best tasting and most mineral rich salt on the market without the microplastics and other issues of conventional salts. See the show notes for 15% off your order. Smurless. Yes. So Peter and I met at a payphone in Massachusetts, and you'll be able to tell by our accents that we're from the same area. And after that, I became obsessed with payphone art, which we'll get into in the podcast. Uh, but Peter has a very interesting story. He's from Waltham, Massachusetts. He is a rap artist with 11 solo albums, and he is most famous for being uh, one of the worst cooks in America on the Food Network channel, and just an absolutely amazing person that has a story that many of us can relate to. Uh, so, Peter, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about you? Well, my name is Peter Smurlis. I'm a father of two plus a bonus child. Um, my daughter's five. Her name's Ayla, and my son's name's Harrison. He's one and a half. And then my bonus child is my fiance's sister. Her name's Gianna. She's 20. So we got a full house over here. Um, from Waltham, Massachusetts. Um, I'm an MC. I've been rapping for years uh, since high school. Maybe actually my first song I did was in middle school. Uh, it didn't, you know, blow up or anything. But the first rap song I wrote and recorded was middle school. So been doing this for a little while and it's definitely a passion but moved o- more over into like the hobby category um but i still go hard w- with it when i can um i'm a union laborer as well I'm, I'm a member of the 1421 building records and i work for a company that does shoring so basically when you're a laborer you just move stuff a lot uh and, and pick up heavy things so uh you know, I, I love it, though. It's it's something I never thought I would do, but I find myself uh, enjoying it and learning a lot in the process. So um, I'm also a person in recovery. I've been sober since January 10th, 2015. Um, so that has a lot to do with pretty much everything that's going on in my life, uh, especially all the positive things are all because um, – I got on a new path of sobriety and, and, and I'm in recovery. So that allows me to do, you know, just live my best life. And uh, 
I'm out here trying to do so. And you're living your best life. You have a very popular Instagram at Oak Lone Tree Graham. And I love following you. You're full of positivity. Your music is some of my favorite music that I've been listening to recently. And can you tell us a little bit about your aha moment and what brought you to the life that you're living now? Sure. Well, I guess you could say my aha moment was almost more like an uh-oh moment. Um, I just had been on kind of a rough path. I, I was a bartender for many years and, and working in the music industry. It's just a lot of late nights and um, partying and it almost becomes second nature, you know. And I think over the years I had created like a false normalcy for what life is all about. And I really tried to... Um, just kind of live a lifestyle that was just crazy and I, I just couldn't keep up with it after a while and what happened was my fiance uh, and I at the time we were having a baby we had my my daughter and um, you know I was still kind of in the grips of, of active um, alcoholism and drug addiction at the time and uh, you know I needed I needed some help so I needed to make some changes I couldn't continue living the way I was living and be a father at the same time. So um, fortunately, I, I had a couple friends that had already got off the kind of the, the bad path and hopped on the good one. And they were there for me when I needed help at the beginning. And, uh, you know, ever since then, it's uh, like I said, I've been able to, to turn things around. It's been a gradual process. It was, nothing was really overnight. But um, sometimes I, I turn around and and think about where I was, you know, just over four and a half years ago and, and where I'm at now. And it's just uh, like I hit the lottery. Mm. That's awesome, Peter. And one of the things we love uh, on this show is just featuring people that have been able to just reinvent themselves and finish strong. The second half, you know, you're yeah. uh, following your your passions and not being held back anymore by the addictions and the personal demons and uh, what would be your advice to someone right now who's where you were four years ago, who's struggling and feels trapped and hopeless. What would you tell them? Well, I, I would just like to remind them that they're not alone. They're not the first person to go through this. Um, in fact, there's many people that get caught up in that addiction and that lifestyle and uh, there are 12-step groups and and many people that like really thrive off helping people that are in that position Um, as a matter of fact I really think that the reason why I'm still sober today is because I'm involved in a fellowship and a program that um, they train us like the key is really like giving it away like they say like you got to give it away to keep it so you know a lot of us we we sober up and, and we learn how to get well. And then the, the key to success in, in keeping it going is is then giving it back to the people that were where we were at at the very beginning and, and putting your hand out to them. But also, you know, there's a stigma attached to addiction and, and alcoholism. And, and when people are in it, it's something that sometimes they don't want to talk about and they want to keep to themselves and they want to continue to hide and it doesn't have to be that way because the sooner you can get honest and willing to just say, hey, I, I have a problem, I need help. And, and if you put yourself out there to the right people, they'll know what to do and they can point you in the right direction. You know, 
it's it's something that we need to each person needs to individually care about more than anyone else you know i can't care about their sobriety more than they do but it's something that um the help is available and there's nothing to be ashamed of and uh you know the worst thing is to see people that are struggling that are too ashamed to bring it up or say anything about it because then nothing's ever going to be done about it. You know, you got to be willing to accept the help. Yes. And I love the fact that you've taught other people and lifted other people up during your own transformation and reinvention. What are some strategies that you use that you found successful to get you through the day to day of when you were at complete rock bottom? Uh, so that you could elevate yourself and lift yourself up every single day to finally get to a point that you had that strong foundation and you started uh, showing up because you talk a lot about being able to show up as a friend, as a father, um, as a co-worker. What were some strategies that got you to that point? Well, I mean, it's, it's a tall order at first. It can seem like the hardest thing to do early on and it did seem like that for me and they told me it's okay because you only have to change one thing and they said that one thing is everything so then I said oh man that that's a lot you know and because I I wasn't completely miserable to the point where like I I even would consider myself depressed I just didn't have a, a conscience I just was kind of going through life I didn't think I was hurting anyone but myself and that couldn't be furthest from the truth you know so but at the at the very beginning um i actually it was suggested to me to start praying and i i'm not from a religious background and so i didn't have much of experience praying you know i grew up greek orthodox and we used to go to church like once a year on easter so like my background wasn't too deep but um you know at the early days, it was as simple as just saying, uh, please remove the obsession. Please remove the obsession. I didn't know who I was praying to. I didn't know what was going to happen. But it, it, it ended up getting me through each day. And sometimes it was a minute at a time. Sometimes it was an hour at a time. And when I thought that I wasn't going to be able to do it, I, I turned to prayer early on. Um, and and then, like I mentioned, like the 12 step fellowship and, and having people involved in that program um, really opened my eyes to a whole new design for living. And, uh, you know, they 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 teach you there to just take it one day at a time and take it slow. And and, um, you know, since then, it you know, like I said, it's been very gradual, but I've been able to kind of rebuild a lot of those burnt bridges and and rebuild myself from a broken man to someone that actually, you know, can be there for my family and be there for those who care about me instead of, you know, disrespecting them and, and hurting them. Uh, I no longer have to do that anymore, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful option to have. That's awesome. Well, I, I commend you and congratulations on, you know, everything and turning things around. It is, it's just a great example. And I think just a hope and an inspiration for people that, you know, as dark as things can seem, life can be totally different and we can truly transform ourselves. And like you said, it is one day at a time, one choice at a time. For yep. those of us that are losing weight, it's one meal at a time. It's making mm -hmm. these small, consistent changes, uh, taking some ground and holding it. You're not always advancing, 
you, you, right. you take a little ground, you hold it, and when you're ready, then you then you take a little more and you advance a little more. One of the things I appreciate about your story is just finding purpose. And I think that for so many people, that's the missing ingredient. I think mm -hmm. it's a common denominator, regardless of what addictions that we have, what we turn to for comfort and for entertainment, whether it's food or sex or drugs. Uh, but when you have purpose, when you have something that you're waking up for, something that, that you're excited about, uh, it changes everything. And I wondered if you could talk just a little bit about that. Yeah, indeed. I, I agree with you 100%. And um, early on for me, uh, I was a new dad when I when I got sober. My, my daughter was young. And uh, for me, I just I, I grew up with two loving parents and they they set great examples for me. And, and now that I was, you know, in in a position to be a father and it was it was time to to make some changes. So and I, I wanted to get my family back. I, I wanted to show them that they were more important to me than anything else. And, um, you know, some people say you can really only do this for yourself, which I understand because after, after some time goes by and you realize your worth and you realize how valuable you are just alone on, on just yourself, then yeah, I do agree. But early on, I didn't think I was worth much. I didn't think I was very valuable because of the, life I was living and the decisions that I was making. So um, to have a catalyst or to have a motivation, to have something to push me, to have some a goal to work towards, um, definitely got me up and out and, and going to put one foot in front of the other and doing what I had to do. And those motivators early on are still the same ones today that still push me. So, um, you know, if anyone's listening to this that is struggling, doesn't feel like they're worth anything, doesn't feel like they're valuable or loved or worth being loved, that's not true, you know, and, and don't let anybody poke holes in your boat. Like if you're if you're trying to rebuild something and you're doing it to get get a loved one back, to get your kids back, to, to get a job back, to, to you know, just improve and, and you don't know why you're doing it and you don't think you're the one that's worth it, then use that. Use that as motivation and eventually, um, you know, hopefully you could also see that you, you're the one that's worth it as well, you know. I think that's amazing. And you have an, a beautiful family. You document um, everything on Instagram. You have a ton of hilarious construction stories um, <laughs> that I absolutely love. And anyone that's from Massachusetts, especially the Boston area, you have to check this out because you will totally relate. Um, outside of Massachusetts, I don't know if they'll get our humor, but it's... <laughs> You'd be surprised, actually. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Um, so once you got yourself back on track and you're showing up for yourself, you're showing up for your family... How did that start showing up in, in your creativity and becoming and evolving yourself into the artist that you are and eventually landing yourself a coveted spot on the Food Network channel? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, and before I answer that, I, I just want to say I went to California at the end of 2017 to do some a show out there and see all my music buddies. And no one really asked about the music. They just told me, Dude, I love five more things you hear on a Boston construction site. They all just, they they thought it was so funny because like, 
we get it being from this region in this area. A lot of the stuff is kind of catered towards us New Englanders and the accent. But like people from outside of here, they either, I don't know, they might think we're a little crazy or we talk funny, but they like it. You know what I mean? They seem to like it. Um, but yeah, great question. When I first got sober, I was questioning who I was completely. And as an artist, as a musician, Creatively, I got really stuck and I got scared because I had already been creating music for like 15, 18 years under the influence and, and had always used that to be like my driving force and, you know, using things to make me stay up for days at a time. And it would just say, oh, well, I'm more creative now because I can just go and go and go and write and write and write and record. And, and then like, all of that extracurricular stuff stopped. And then it was like, oh my God, like, who am I? And content-wise too, it was, I was like a party MC. Like my rap songs were about drinking, partying, going out, smoking, and you know, all that kind of stuff. That was my, my substance, you know? So that all had to change. And I got a little filled with doubt, you know, as, as I was trying to get better. And, um, but little by little, like I, I just kept pushing through that fear and, and whatever that was blocking me, I was kind of just saying, all right, well, you know, then it became take it one song at a time. Like I don't have to worry about a whole album right now or, or what my style is going to be or worried about reinventing myself. It was just let me just get in the studio and and see what happens, you know. And then and I, I found out that like it, I was even, I don't want to say better than I was, but I, I was more clear-headed and I was able to to eventually ultimately create the best project that I've made so far and that was my first album in sobriety called Bully Mammoth and that came out in 2017 so um, I really thought that I wasn't going to be able to do the things that I love and and it turns out that I can do everything that I love to do um, I just can't you know drink it and, and do that stuff with it you know what I mean um, but yeah, totally. Uh, it just took a little bit of taking that fear and, and instead of letting it stand in front of me and block me, I had to take the fear and put it behind me and have it push me through, you know? Has that message translated into your music? Has the content of your music changed since then? Sure. I, I, I'd like to think so. Um, that album, Bully Mammoth, um, is kind of like a journey. It's It's kind of a character that I created I like to call him almost like a prehistoric warrior from the future and he's kind of traveling through like the battlegrounds of this like alternate universe and he's going through and, and it's I almost like to paint the picture like he has a family back home somewhere that you don't know where it is and he's reminded of it and he's going through and he's fighting and like it's almost it's almost like I was kind of talking about myself and like fighting through certain obstacles and, and, and demons that I had to fight through. And, and uh, you know, it, it's almost, it's not a clear cut and explained the way that I even just briefly said it. It's almost like musically there's a score that goes with it. There's like a soundtrack of the bully mammoth that goes throughout the album. And I almost wish like I could hold like a seminar to like explain or like create some type of animated uh, movie to go with it to show like what I was seeing or like feeling when I was creating Bully Mammoth. But, um, you know, not every song is like, oh, you know, 
sobriety and recovery and it's you know but it's a lot of it is just this is where i was and this is where i am now and and i think anyone that knew me before they can hear the difference and they can hear the clarity of kind of the the delivery now you know that's awesome yeah, I, uh, I just love that it's all about being yourself, finding yourself and then sharing yourself with others. And we love that on this show. It's not conforming to what other people are, you know, are expecting of you. It's just being yourself. And there'll be people that will resonate with you, that will love what you're doing. And those are the ones that, you know, that, like you said, we give it away for. And so what would you say to those people at home that feel like they have a talent, they have a gift, whether it's art or music or, or, or speaking, and that they feel like they're supposed to do something with it, but there's just that voice that says, well, you know, who are you? Why would, why, why would people want to listen to you? What would you tell them? Hey, I would just say give it a shot, you know, and, and be patient with yourself and don't you know, as serious as we can take our creativity, uh, don't take yourself too serious. But, um, you know, if you have dreams or goals or something that maybe you don't think is logical or you don't think is attainable or, or reasonable or it's not lucrative at the beginning, um, I still would try and hold on to as much of that as you can and, and, and give, it, give it your best shot. You know, like um, th- th- there's really nothing you have to, to lose from, from doing that. And even if you fail and even if it doesn't go as far as, as you wanted it to go or any expectations you might have for it, um, you'll still be able to look back on your journey and say like, wow, like I really went for it. Like I, I, I did what I wanted to do. I did what I loved and I didn't compromise myself. I didn't compromise my integrity. I didn't just do what I thought I was supposed to do. Um, I mean, of course, like we have to, you know, especially once we have kids and, and we have to provide, it's like, you know, you got to find ways to make it work and, and make sure the bills get paid. So you can't just be off running around in, in la la land do, doing anything you want without, you know, having some responsibility. But, you know, it's about kind of finding that balance between doing what you love to do, because that's what's going to ultimately make you more enjoyable to be around because you're not going to be stuck and you're not going to be you know in a continuous state of regret feeling like man you know i'm just not being who i'm meant to be because let's face it man we're only here for a short time and and uh you know for me like i i just i want to get the most out of this life and, and do do the best i can and and, you know, musically was always one way I, I felt the most natural expressing myself. So if it's public speaking, if it's sports, if it's scholastic stuff, if it's exercising, anything that you feel that comes natural to you that makes you happy, you know, like, go for it. Don't be scared. Just just go get it, you know. So what made you go for it um, with becoming one of the worst cooks in America on the cooking channel? How, how did that come about? That kind of came at me a little bit more than I went for that, but um, it I don't want to say it fell on my lap, but because of the, the Instagram profile and some of the videos, somebody just stumbled across me and thought maybe I'd be a good fit for the show, and it just so happened that I, I didn't really have a lot of culinary skills, so um, they said, oh, you're, you're a Boston Greek dad, 
rapper, construction worker. Uh, we could use you. I said, I, I guess, sure, if that's a thing. If that's what you're looking for, I'm your guy. But I'd never heard of that kind of typecast before. But I guess we're creating our own lane for uh, the Greek dad, Boston construction worker rappers, you know? Yes, and you're creating very interesting dishes. Uh, what's, your, what's been your favorite dish that you've created on the show? Um, I really liked cooking the Greek food because um, I'm half Greek on my, on my dad's side, and uh, I was very close with my yaya, his, his mom. Um, and I grew up eating her food, and she was such a wonderful cook. And my, my dad's a great cook, too. And um, so, like, right off the bat, start going into a Greek episode with the lamb. Although, like, I've never fully, like, executed these things before, it was like, there was a level of comfort that came with it, you know, because I was like, all right, I can, I can handle this. This is like being at home, you know? So I loved the Greek stuff. Um, I, I liked the last week's episode with the fried chicken and the, um, the omelet. I was able to pull off a pretty good omelet somehow. So, uh, it's, it's just been a really cool experience being on there and working with, with Chef Van and Chef Bobby was like, it was totally cool. That's really awesome. So tell us about telephone booth art. I'm so curious. The, the payphones? Yeah, the payphone art. Yeah, shout out payphone kings. Um, and queens and queens. And queens and payphone queens and payphone kids. Um, to be honest with you, it for, for us, I have a buddy, Tyler. Um, he took a picture one night. He took a selfie next to a payphone. And he just wrote hashtag payphone kings. And it was it didn't really pick up steam very fast, but a couple of uh, his close friends, a couple of us, you know, we'd see a phone here or there and like then we would hashtag payphone kings. And then like as time went on, you know, the, the core group we continued to do it and whenever we'd see a phone and, and then that, that hashtag just kept growing and growing and like Instagram, it doesn't do it anymore, which totally stinks, but they used to, like, count exactly how many posts were under that hashtag. So, like, as, you know, Payphone Kings got to almost 100, it was like, ah, for me, I was like, ah, I want to get the 100th post. So then, like, you get post 100. Oh, I think we lost. Oh, he's still there. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, like, it was 500, and then it was 1,000, and then it was, like, we were super pumped when we reached 1,000. And, like, all at the same time, too, I noticed that we weren't the only ones. Payphone Kings wasn't the only ones that were kind of doing payphone art, that there was, like, a bunch of other payphone pages. There's all payphones. There's, there's a bunch of different ones. But the thing that I think made Payphone Kings unique was that we were about the people and the phone. It wasn't just a picture of a phone sent in from Wisconsin or a phone from Italy. It was like, it was about the person with the phone. And then like, if you had kids, then the kids were in the payphone, or, or your girl was in the payphone, or like, I would love to climb up on top of the booth and stand on top of the booth and take the pick. You know, you could get creative with how you place yourself next to the payphone. And, and the coolest thing about it to me is like, it's just, they're like an endangered species. Like you, the payphones are just disappearing, you know? So I, I get a little excited when I see one, even if it doesn't have the receiver in it, or if it doesn't even have the phone, if it just has the box with the phone symbol, um, I'm all over it. So I try and get that and add it to the, uh, the payphone King's legacy, you know? 
So have you ever tried to make a phone call from one of these pay phones to see if it actually works? Because <laughs> I was in a Panera Bread yeah. the other day, uh, just getting a, a black coffee. I was uh, going in for a coffee, and I yeah. turned to my right, and there was a full pay phone. I could not believe it. Yeah. So, of course, I had my friend snap a picture with the pay phone. Because <laughs> that, that's my thing now since I've met you. Yeah. Have you ever tried to make a call? Oh yeah, yeah. We've made a we've made a couple calls. Um, I usually, depending on the state of the phone, I sometimes I won't even pick it up to see if it works. Like I, mm -hmm. I don't even touch them. Sometimes I just sometimes I just do the pose and I just get the pick and I'm out, you know. But uh, one night I was with the kid Tyler, Ty Breezy, who started the the whole payphone things thing, and we were out in Worcester somewhere. And there's a lot of phones in Worcester, uh, so we found. We were taking, we got like four or five phones and we were killing it. We were crushing it. And then we found one, we picked it up and it worked. And it was like two in the morning. And we called the other like main payphone kings dude at like two in the morning from that payphone. And it was like totally kind of a jerk thing to do to, to call this dude who clearly wouldn't have been awake. He's another sober guy. There's no way he was awake at two, three in the morning. But we called him and left him messages like, yo, we're, we're on a payphone right now. But, uh, that's really the only time I can, you know, think of like since this whole Payphone Kings movement started that I actually called someone from it. What was the cost of the call? Was it still twenty five cents or was it? I, I think it was twenty five. It, it might have been fifty, but I think it was twenty five. But like I remember back in the day when we really used to use the payphones was like we'd be at the boys' club and we we would do a collect call, and instead of saying the name, we'd say like, "Mom, I'm at the boys' club. Come pick me up." You know, like you have a call from Mama I'm at the boys club, come pick me up. You know, and then uh, you know, a couple of years later, in my teenage years, we kind of used the payphones for other things too. But uh, you know, it's kind of a lost art. Yes, and for those of you that don't know what a payphone is, please Google it in images, <laughs> and you will see what a payphone is. Yeah, for real. Before they're all gone, uh, they'll yeah. they'll be documented at least. So go on the hashtag payphone kings, you'll see a bunch of us. Yes, and payphone queens. Mm-hmm. Can't forget the queens. That's awesome. I and you know I just love just uh, you know making making the world your playground, enjoying things, pursuing your passions. What uh, what do you think's next for you, Oak? What what kind of things is is the future have in store? Well, I've been very busy working on music in the last year or so. Um, I have a, I just released a project called Oak King Gads with my boy King Arthur and egads the producer uh we just dropped that a couple weeks ago i have another solo project coming out with a a world world famous international legend guy i grew up listening to i've been able to work with him closely over the last year or two and we have a, a oak lone tree solo project that he produced coming up next um i'm also doing a pretty big show to support that um that album in october in cambridge so I can't give too much information on, on the album or the show, but I can say, like, you know, if you've come this far and if you've listened and, and you're interested in knowing more, like, just, you know, keep an eye on the page because we'll be announcing all kinds of stuff. And, and, and you know, I'm very excited for this next project. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be really cool. So other than that, you know, I, I just I want to continue doing what I've been doing to improve my life and, and be a dad and, and uh, you know, be there for my family. Um, so, I mean, that that just includes keeping my expectations reasonable. I, I don't expect 
anything too crazy to happen, but you never know what could happen. I mean, the, like this worst cooks thing wasn't anything that I ever planned on, but here I am on Sunday nights watching myself on TV. It's totally weird, but it's awesome. And, and uh, you know, I'm still kind of low key waiting for that call from, from Bobby Flay to say, Hey, uh, I got the show. I, I think you need to be on, but uh, you know, that hasn't happened yet, but Hey, crazy things have happened. So, Yes, and, and the world is there for you. Um, that's one of the things I, I love about your story is you reinvented yourself and just stayed open to all the possibilities in the world and are creating through your passion, being an amazing dad, keeping us all entertained on Sunday nights, on the cooking show, and as well as on your Instagram with the Boston Construction site comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you see comedy in your future? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I like to think I'm, I'm a kind of funny guy. Like all the guys we grew up together, we all kind of bust balls and joke around and, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. And I mean, that material for the five more things on the Boston construction site really writes itself. Like, you know, some of it is like things that I come up in, in my head, but a lot of it is I'll be working around other Boston guys and I'll overhear them talking and I'll, I'll kind of pretend to go do something, but I'll just be listening, gathering material. And it's really just plagiarized from actual conversation you may hear on a Boston construction site. So um, I did one of those. The same thing as like the payphone kings. I did one and people really thought it was funny. So I said, the whole thing is five more things. I'm like, this can just go on and go on and go on. It's five more things, five more things, five more things. And, and it's kind of easy to do. And uh, I don't have to take too much time away from work while I'm working because I don't want to leave my guys hanging like that. But I can still sneak away for a minute, bang out a quick video and uh, get a few laughs. But, you know, people seem to like it. I, I've always liked to entertain and, and, you know, almost to a scary degree of being a people pleaser and maybe wonder, worrying too much about what people think or if, not worrying what they think, but, you know, providing people with something that will make them happy um, is important to me, whether it's music or whether it's these silly construction videos or worse cooks, even the payphone. Some people are like, wow, I love seeing you with the payphones. I'm like, really didn't do much, but stand next to a payphone. But if, if that's what makes you happy, that makes me happy, you know, and you know, the, the people you can meet, like even you and I, we met because I needed someone to take a picture of me at the payphone. I saw you walking with, I think it was your mom. Yes, I was on a steak date with my mom, yeah. and you asked me to take a picture with the payphone, and then the next date, date I had with my mom, I'm like, Mom, you need to take a picture with this payphone. Yeah. And now, whenever I see a payphone, I always pull over and yeah. uh, take a picture with it. Yeah, it's it's contagious, and like people will say, oh, oh, I haven't seen a payphone in forever, and I say, well, have you been looking for them? And they're like, no. And I said, well, watch now. If you, if you start looking for payphones, you'll start seeing them everywhere, and uh you know, I don't. I also kind of connect it to the sobriety thing. Like I used to go out and have fun in many different ways before I was sober. Now that I'm not, like I, there's a lot of things I do with my family, and I have good wholesome fun. But you know, like one of my things I really like to do and get a rush from is finding a new payphone. And, and some people might think it's the stupidest thing ever, but like for me, like you can ask Crystal, my fiance. She's she she's funny because. She usually have to take the pictures, and she'll get a little annoyed with me, and I'll say, come on, hop out and do this one. The kids will be in the back seat. We'll be, like, late coming home. Like, we got to get the payphone. And she said, you know, for our when we get married on our honeymoon, like, 
we should just go cross country and just get all the payphones. And that's when I knew. I said, you know, I think I'm with the right woman here. She really gets me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I can't wait to go find one myself. I'm yeah, have hey, to hey, the best thing about it is you're a member when you say you are. There's nothing you need to do other than snap that picture of yourself with the phone and hashtag payphone kings, payphone queens, payphone kids, and and then you're in. All right, brother. I'm you. in. I am in. I am going to find one. Well, Oak, this has been great. And you're a super fascinating guy, big character, big heart, a lot to share with the world. We're looking forward to just seeing amazing things coming from you and your music and your talent. Tell these guys how they can find you and keep up with you. Well, you can find my music um, on YouTube and um, iTunes, Spotify, under Oak Lone Tree. Um, I'm on Instagram. My handle is Oak Lonestagram. Um, I also have a group with my with my buddy Big Dece. That's Big D E S E, and we're called the Dunners. Um, that's kind of like two MCs rapping over some beats, very punchline heavy, um, old school golden era hip hop sounding. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of songs that you can relate to. Like we got a song about road rage. We got a song about douchebags. We got a song, you know, just things that like people like oh yeah i know what they're talking about it's nothing obscure super autistic that you're not going to understand it's relatable we're both blue collar construction guys you know and uh we just happen to rap um so the dunners we've been busy we've been recording a lot um like i said i got the new solo album coming out under oak lone tree um so yeah you know you can find me on on facebook too under my legal name because they made me change it from oak lone tree and they like kicked me off facebook until i changed it a couple years ago uh but that is peter smurlis uh peter s-m-e-r-l-a-s um i'm on there as well but um yeah so i, I got some i got a lot of stuff out there a lot of material that's that's available for for anyone that's interested yes and then there's sunday night on the cooking network channel oh yeah that that too um sunday nights on the food network that. food network <laughs> yeah. yeah on the food network yep worst cooks in america um that premiered on august 4th we were four episodes deep i don't know when you're gonna are you gonna share this today or or tomorrow or sometime well we'll, we'll have your episode out in the next few weeks oh in the next few weeks. so whenever you hear it just tune in sunday nights the show will be still going um it's worst cooks in america sunday nights at 9 p.m and then i do i do a little live on my facebook directly after the episode i go live and and i call it first looks at worst cooks and we kind of just talk about the episode that night and what people liked and we kind of depending on who's in the chat room you know we talk about other stuff too so that's That's all it's been a pleasure to have you here today thank you so much for your time and uh, i look forward uh, to listening to your music your new album and your show in october Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's been awesome talking with you guys. Yes, sir, Peter. You take care of yourself, brother. You too, guys. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.